Welcome to the Alabaster Jar, a weekly conversation where we take on current issues impacting women at the intersection of faith, theology, and ministry. We are pleased to offer Alabaster Jar as a podcast of Northern Seminary. This week on the Alabaster Jar, our host, Dr. Lynn Coick, is joined by Dr. Miriam O'Regan for a special Advent episode. Miriam is a worshiper and lover of God. She holds a doctorate in the field of early years education. She has been part of church planting teams in Ireland and Europe, and she currently serves on the core team of Red Cross Church of Ireland, County Wicklow. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Christmas traditions in Ireland. So welcome to the Alabaster Jar, Miriam. Miriam, I'm so glad that you are joining us for a series on Advent. Yep. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we met um, actually right around another holiday, U.S. holiday, and that is Memorial Day. I was in Ireland that first week of June Correct. at the Irish Bible Institute, and you and I had a chance to sit down and talk a lot. And I'm excited that we, we've we actually also done another podcast where you're going to talk about St. Bridget, but that's going to be released after the holidays. Yeah. Uh, right now, I want to talk about Christmas and what it's like to celebrate Christmas in Ireland. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about food and practices and what the church is like and all of that. But maybe we could start with what was one of your favorite memories as a child growing up Christmas there in Ireland? Um, well, I think one of my favorite memories or and something that still remains special to me was we would we would build our little family crib. And so you would put out, we had old statues that my, from my grandmother and you'd put out Mary and Joseph and you'd put out, you know, I think we had an angel and a few sheep. I'm trying to remember. But the main thing was you didn't put out baby Jesus because he wasn't born yet. <laughs> yes. And now so you kept baby Jesus and on Christmas morning, wow, he'd be there in the crib. Okay, so the kids were all excited to see baby Jesus. It was the the sort of morning. part of the whole thing. It was oh look, yeah. So when I think of that now, I did it with my own children. You know, I still do it today, even though they're all grown up. You know, I keep baby Jesus until Christmas morning. <laughs> but it is a way of saying, here is the most important thing that we need to know about Christmas. So that was one of my lovely, lovely memories. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Christmas trees and all that too, but. Yeah. And, and did you did you do Christmas trees? Um, yeah, because yeah, I think it's fair to say that most of our Irish Christmas traditions are probably Victorian Christian. You know, we they got we brought them over from you know the Christmas tree and all that kind of stuff, and a lot of the foods as well are similar to what they have in England and Scotland and where you know the United Kingdom. Uh, but I do know when I was in, I, w I spent one Christmas in, in America and I was horrified at what you ate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell us, tell us where we've gone wrong. Maybe oh, we can listen. get it right this time. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, we usually eat turkey now. Turkey is the common thing. And you do turkey too. So that's okay. But you don't do stuffing the way we do. <laughs> and we like our stuffing, you know. We do a yeah. breadcrumb stuffing with all kinds. Of, you could put sausage meat in it. You could put all sorts of things in it. So I remember eating this turkey and going, kind of, where's the stuffing? <laughs> now that, and that is almost criminal because I, I, like you, my favorite is stuffing. I love making stuffing. We don't, 
necessarily always have it though for Christmas because we have Thanksgiving. That's what I mean. I'm sure, I'm sure that's, that's, you know, that's part of it, you know, but I could eat turkey both for both holidays. I love it. And I have done sausage sometimes apples. Yes. Um, yeah. put walnuts or pecans. What else do you put in? Not pecans. But not walnuts. pecans. Yeah. Cause they're not a, a native nut. If you know what I mean? What we do make, which we really enjoy is we mm-hmm. make a thing called bread sauce that goes with the, and so bread sauce is all that leftover crumbs that you have. <laughs> and you put, you put it into a pan of milk with uh, you, an onion and you put cloves in the onion mm-hmm. and you let the milk, uh, the onion and the milk, uh, well, you don't boil it, you just bring it, you heat it and you let the onion and cloves infuse into the milk. Mm. And then when that's, you leave that stand for a while, you mix in the uh, breadcrumbs and you put in a good dollop of Irish butter, which is slightly salted, bit of um, you know salt and pepper, and that's your your bread sauce. And we serve it up with turkey, and we would always have ham with it. Traditionally, ham has to be with cloves on the. We put cloves in our ham, and the other thing that we have. So the bread sauce, I think, is probably fairly unique to Ireland and Dublin area. And the other thing we do that's not in the other parts of the British Isles is we have a thing called spiced beef. Mm. So we get beef and you spice it up with a whole mix of, you'd call them Christmas, Christmassy kind of spices, you know, nutmeg, cloves, but it's all ground uh, and all that. And you, it, it's all covered in it. And you, um, you uh, boil it. You put it into the water, you boil it. But it tastes. Mm. It's my favorite Christmas meat, actually. Spicy. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm not sure um, if you describe that exactly right because my husband usually cooks it. Well, I know some of our eager listeners will look it up online somehow and and yeah. let us uh, let us know. I'm all about Christmas cookies too. Do you have any favorite desserts? Yeah. Okay. So we do three things. We don't do cookies, but mm-hmm. we do mince pies, which are little. The mince is not meat; it's sweet mince. And it's got it's kind of got raisins and lard as traditionally, and nuts in it, uh, and you put it into a pastry, and they um, bake them, and then you normally eat them. On, you know they're very small; they're saucer, not, not even the size of a saucer, and you, with a little bit of cream, brandy, and the cream, of course, at Christmas. It, absolutely okay, because <laughs> not a teetotally country at all. <laughs> no, um, and then um, we would also do. My mother made the most delicious Christmas pudding. Mm. which again is made with, you know, raisins and, and lots of booze, an awful lot of, you know, port and whiskey and beer would go into this pudding and fruits, you know, dried fruits and uh, breadcrumbs and flour and all that. Um, and you steamed it. It was a steamed pudding. And and we, and in latter years, well, no, since we've been married, we usually, we on the day, you turn it out, you pour whiskey on it and then you flambe it. Oh, that makes for a sensational entrance. The kids, you know, they didn't want to eat it. They wanted to see it. See the fire. Yeah, yeah. That's They would be two of the main dessert things. It's rich food. <laughs> oh, really but it rich. sounds delicious. We, I haven't had my lunch yet, and I, I can feel my stomach grumbling as you're <laughs> telling all of this. Um, what are some of the special things that happen around the church during Advent and then maybe on Christmas Day? Yeah, sure. Well, again, the, a lot of the churches would have cribs. You know, they would put in these giant life-size cribs. And in some of the churches, it would be like an opening event. They, the kids would all come in to visit the 
the crib. Um, and that would be it. I remember doing it as a child and I've done it, you know, with, uh, that would be a big event. But now as I, in, in more recent years, I think one of my favorite things to do at Christmas is to go and sing the Messiah. So we do, I'm sure you have them in, in America too, Messiah Live. And it's where you basically sing along kind of Messiah. But one of the things I love about the Messiah is that it was first performed in Dublin. So oh, that's right. Yes. On the 13th of April, 1742 in Dublin. And it was performed in Dean Jonathan Swift, who wrote Gulliver's Travels. He organized a charity concert. And the charity concert was the Messiah. Wow. <laughs> and because he was raising funds for an institution for the mentally ill. Apparently he had family member who was mentally ill and that was, you know, partly the reason. And at that institution, St. Patrick's is still, still, still there today, still as a hospital, it still exists. But uh, yeah, so the Messiah was done as a fundraiser and they didn't do it in the church because they wanted to charge for it. So they did this in a, in a theater uh, with the choir boys, Dean Swift allowed the choir boys to go and sing. And, um, they, they, there was such a crowd that the men, the women were not allowed to wear their hoops and the men could not bring swords because they had to. Oh. <laughs> and that might be good rules no matter where you are. Because uh, I'm not sure hoop skirts are really helpful anywhere, at any place. <laughs> but anyway, so that's one of my favorite Christmas things to do. I mean, I know you could go at any time, but I generally go <laughs> um, yeah. at that. That's one of my favorites. And I suppose, you know, uh, another great tradition, which I love, um, which comes from my Catholic heritage, heritage is the Midnight Mass, which was basically a lot of Christmas carols. You sang a lot of Christmas carols. So now that I'm in the, uh, an evangelical Protestant sort of, I, I keep persuading them that we should we have to do Christmas carols on Christmas Eve. Let's just make it leisure. You know, when yeah. it's 10, 11 o'clock, how about midnight? <laughs> <laughs> keep pushing it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, there is something about it came upon at midnight clear, that glorious song of old. There's something about that. So that's my tradition. That's the things that uh, warm my heart. And I suppose I have to say that my first real, my first spark of real faith as a child came around Christmas. And, and you know, the, the carols actually made me really think. I know that sounds funny, but I wasn't in a church where we were preached at a whole lot. So you, you had to kind of, so it was the carols and the music that got to me. Mm, and I bet that's that's similar to a lot of people. And the carols that we that have made it down through the ages are usually theologically right on right on target and do help us think. Serene, you you've got a young son. Are are you resonating with some of the things that Miriam has said? Do you have a question for her? Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that with Christmas carols. Do you do any sort of candlelight services in oh, Ireland? Yeah. Right oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The best thing ever, except little children and the candles. You know, do do you have those yeah. little cardboard things and the candles? You <laughs> yeah, that's what was coming to mind. I think since becoming a parent, those moments have become special in a new way of just like yeah. the candlelight reflecting and hearing your your kids um, sing those songs. And, yeah, it's awesome. We've got a nice old carol in Christmas. You can look it up if you want to. It's called the Wexford Carol, and I just noticed here when I was looking for it online. That it was recorded by Yo-Yo Ma in oh. 2008. <laughs> but it's That's a really, awesome. it's the oldest, it's the oldest um, carol that we have in Ireland. 
the melody goes, they, they, you know, they're saying the melody is so old, it goes back to medieval times. The yeah, words wow. we have now are in English, but they say, no, this is a really old, old melody, you know. So there you go. Wow. I'd love to hear a little bit more. You said that Christmas was a significant for you in your faith. Uh, tell me, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. How did it play a role in, in your faith journey? <laughs> okay, so I was in, um, I, I, I got a book of Christmas carols to play. Because I, I was a piano, I was learning piano, you know, so I was 10, 11, that sort of age. And I started to play the carols, you know, um, and some of them would be like Good King, Wenceslas, Last Went Out, be very, but others, it was the one about once in David Royal City. Why that got to me, you know, I mean, obviously I loved Silent Night and all that, but once in David Royal City, in Royal David City, sorry, um, I'm trying to see, I want to find the original. Uh, yeah, it's 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 an old one, but um, so for some reason I remember playing that, sitting at my piano and playing that. He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all, and our eyes at last shall see Him. So it was just, you know, it's a beautiful. Um, how would you say? Uh, a summary, I suppose, of the gospel. And I think that was the first, when I was playing it and singing it, it was the first time that it really hit home to me. That, uh, yeah, what it meant that he had come to us and that he would come again. I, I mean, you know, I said the creed every Sunday in my church. I think it was the first time, though, that it really um, made sense to me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just an interesting um, thing to think about, isn't it? Absolutely. But I, I often, like, when I'm doing worship now, I'm always conscious of picking songs that when people learn them, they will have truth inside of themselves, that there'll be some truth. Maybe they'll sing it for a while without understanding, but one day the Holy Spirit will, you know. So I try to, even if the song is very, you know, emotional, that's fine. Once there's a core, once there's a core of truths, that they're learning something that will um, feed them, feed their spirit. That's very to me. Oh, amen to that. Uh, yes. And I do love that. Once in David's royal city. Yeah. It's a beautiful. Yeah, I love the Christmas hymns. Uh, yeah. I just love them. What do you think? Um, what do you think we're maybe in danger of missing or, you know, some of the trends you might see around Christmas that kind of worry you? Yeah. Asher, look, the whole, it is literally a, uh, the level of commercialization, you know, it's very hard to fight it, isn't it? Very yes. hard. Uh, and um, where the children, the little ones, are more interested in their presence than anything else, you know. Uh, and yet I don't see any point. Uh, when I was living in Holland, I came to a whole, so I, we started a new church, but we had people coming from very strict reformed churches. And one lovely girl, her parents would never celebrate Christmas on principle because the Christmas tree was heathen and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And it was really something that, that hurt her a lot. She was only a child. Yes. You know, she was the one who was paying the price in school. Yeah. So I remember thinking, I have never seen Christmas that way. So remember, my Catholic background would never have taught, taught, taught me to think of Christmas traditions in that way. So I think it really is tricky and it's about keeping, somehow keeping that balance right. 
that every prayer, you know, so in, 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 um, for me and the way I do that is churches first. Mm. We don't open presents until after church. Well, but that's, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. We're coming here. And say, okay, so, so my kids got used to that. That's the way it was. You know, you just not, I mean, when they were very small, you can always stop them, right? <laughs> when they were very small, they weren't getting a whole lot anyway. So, you know, um, and then, and I suppose being very careful about, I was careful about how I talked about Santa Claus because I felt I didn't want to give Santa Claus the same credit I was giving to Christ. So I used to talk about playing, we're going to play the Santa game. And I used to make it into more of a, this is just for fun. I mean, they watched the movies and they enjoyed all that. But I remember when my youngest boy was about nine or 10 and you know, we had the talk as in he came and he said, mom, is Santa Claus real? You know the one? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, I said to him, well, Daniel, you know, Santa Claus is real. He's just another name for mommy and daddy. That's so funny you say that. Our... When our kids were in grade school, I think maybe third and first grade, our son is the older one. And uh, our daughter is uh, a much, she's practical. Our son is also, I mean, yeah. he can be practical, but he's a little bit more a dreamer. Yeah. And she was the one, the younger one, who went to him and said, CJ, I don't really think that this is, the Santa thing. I think it's mom and dad. I mean, look at the writing. So we would write Santa and she, yeah, and she ruined it for him. I, I hope he's forgiven her uh, these many years later, but yeah, she was the one that had the talk. I, I yeah. Anyway. What was interesting about Daniel is Daniel went really quiet after I said that. And I thought, oh, Janie, how is this going to go? And he said, wow. He says, you mean you spent all that money? Oh, how sweet. <laughs> I actually was really touched. I was like, thank you, Daniel. Now you understand. <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think really, though, ha there's probably always been that tension in some way between the celebrations and the parties and all that and the story of Christ. But I, And that's up to us to fight for that, isn't it? And to say, no, what's important is the Messiah. What's important is you know, that we remember Jesus most of all and that he, because of him, we have this incredible feast. You know, that's how I would, how I try to, yeah. And help yeah. people remember the real, the real significance of Christ in and, and Christmas. Yeah. And, and how do you keep that, you know, as we close up here, are there, are there practices that you've done during Advent that have helped you to keep that, um, keep that center well, yes well of course you'd have the advent calendars and advent stories we did all of that you know with bible stories for each day and so on but i wanted to share one last thing with you because since this is a podcast about women one of the most unique things about irish christmas is what's called nulignamon which is women's little christmas and that's on january the 6th so it's 12 days from christmas to january 6th and then that's the official end of the christmas season you can take down your christmas tree you're allowed to at that point uh, in Ireland. But Nolignamon is a lovely tradition where all the women get a day off, basically. The women get the, the men do all the work in the house and they do the cleaning and all the rest of it. And the women get to put their feet up and um, finish the, the Christmas cake and the pudding and the, the mince pies and drink cups of tea and coffee and 
in it, it's been a tradition for a long time where a rural tradition and in many parts of the country, but of course now, haven't they cottoned onto it and they're making it into a commercial thing and hotels are advertising, you know, Nolaknamon. <laughs> but really it was just a way of acknowledging all the work women had put in at the Christmas time and a way of giving them a, a day of rest. And so it's called Women's Little Christmas. Nolaknamon. That is beautiful. And and what... um. Oh, you, you dress up, right? I mean, you wear mm-hmm. your nice clothes and you, you go out and you... you I actually just... A, a friend is... It was kind of fun. She's starting at Nunnigmon now. She's get, taking, she wants, she wants to ro- arrange a big party. Now, that's kind of more than what it was. But you know what? It's a nice tradition. I'm just going to, I signed up. I said, yeah, go on. Have a and party. I'll come. <laughs> we'll go out and eat dinner. We'll go out and eat dinner. We'll share about what our Christmases have been like. And, you know, yeah. So. That is actually a fabulous idea. And I'm thinking I might need to start that. That, that is really, really good. And, and the men, seriously, they all have to do the work that day. They clean, they cook, they look after the children. It's a complete day of rest <laughs> for all the I'm ladies. liking this. I'm liking this. Serene's nodding her head also. I think we might start a movement here yeah. in, in the U.S. <laughs> that's so right. That's, that's a, a little piece of wo- a women's Christmas. Isn't that nice that we have a women's Christmas? I think it is. <laughs> it is. And, and especially for that reason, because there's they're honoring the work that has gone into with the cooking and the preparations and the focus on helping everyone in the family that then everyone in the family, the men in the family can turn around and say, yep, thank you. Mm, in a tangible way. And of course, that is certainly the spirit of Christmas. And they get rid of the Christmas tree and they do all that stuff. Hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's wonderful. Well, I certainly hope you have a wonderful advent Miriam and a wonderful Christmas. And maybe uh, you can send me photos of your January 6th party. <laughs> I'll let you know how it turns out. I was just yeah. kind of intrigued. This this girl, um, who I, I mean, I know her not that well, but she's decided she's going to invite people to a Knowledge Naman celebration. And I'm like, great, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Alabaster Jar. And Uh, giving us a little bit of taste of what Advent and Christmas is like in Ireland. You're welcome. All the very best. Thank you, Miriam. Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry (laughs) Christmas. Thanks for joining us for the second week in our Advent series. If you enjoyed today's episode with Miriam O'Regan, be sure to subscribe, share, and join us back here next Tuesday as we continue these conversations about Advent traditions and experiences from around the world. 